Thank you for listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help you win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, come and see us and join the Passion Church family. Visit our Facebook page or our website at passionchurchmo.com to find out more about us. Uh, We've been uh, in a sermon series, and today's the last message, the three C's of the Advent. And of course, we started with the call and then the cost. And today's title is The Completion, The Completion of the Advent. So we started this series uh, in the story, in the Christmas story of, of all of the divine call that happened with Mary and how often the call of God comes into your life as a divine interruption. Think about that. Has God ever interrupted your life? Oh, my goodness. And do you know the more you surrender to him, the more he'll interrupt your life? The only reason he doesn't interrupt your life all the time is because we're not always in a mode to let him do it all the time. How many times have you walked past somebody and the Lord said, say something to that person, or, and, and, and we don't let him interrupt? And if we would just follow those simple acts of obedience, what God can do in our life and what God wants to do. We're going to talk a lot more about that around the first of the year. But we started with the divine interruption, how God breaks in upon us. Sometimes he'll just mess up your day. Isn't that right, Steve Johnson? He'll mess up your day. Just all of a sudden, God, Jesus just showed up. I've, have you ever heard his testimony? Jesus showed up, had a conversation with him. He didn't know. He wasn't really raised all that in church, were you? Was a biker and living hard and living fast. And Jesus said that the only way to get this boy, just get in front of him. <laughs> And he, and he interrupted your life. And boy, did he interrupt your life. Your life is still interrupted. Isn't that exciting? Uh, I'm getting ready to do the, uh, the little concert tour this summer. And the gentleman that is the biker of the group was playing country music in a bar. And he got ready to put his guitar down. And when he put his guitar down, guess who was standing at his guitar case? Huh? Jesus showed up there and told him, you've played your last time for the world. And now he stands up and he sings, and it's every time. In the same style he always played, in the same way he always played. But now it brings glory to the name of God. Divine interruptions. I knelt beside my bed one night just to say, now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. I was a religious little boy because I went to church, but that was about as religious as it was. I went to church. But when I went to pray that night, that little form prayer, my mother used to have it on a little ceramic, and I don't know why it was on my wall, girl. <laughs> and it, it said, now I lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. I should die for awake, pray the Lord my soul to take. That's kind of a morbid prayer. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> if I should die. But I knelt down to pray. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have went there. I knelt down to pray that night. 
And it didn't go there. Because there was a divine interruption. And I started to pray that prayer, and it turned into Jesus. I'm a sinner, and I need you. There are reports around the world right now. i, I got to get off of this point, but there's a, there are reports around the world right now that in the Muslim world, they're having Jesus interrupt their lives to get the message to those who be willing to hear it and live it. Divine interruptions. And then when God interrupts our life, he always gives us a choice. Follow me or follow the world. What's it going to be? And so when God interrupts your life with a divine call, there also comes an acceptance of the call. You must accept the call. You not only accept the call, but you must now, after you've received the call, often when the Lord interrupts your life in a divine way, he gives you a word. We're having technical difficulties. They're trying to figure us out here. He'll usually give you a word, and it will pertain to your future. And when he gives that word, divine excitement rises up because all of a sudden there's all this potential that's being laid at your feet and at you and and all of a sudden you're, you're like what change the world me change my world seriously this young girl was given an opportunity that no other woman in the world would ever have to deliver the deliverer to birth the Son of God, to birth the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the one who was prophesied back in the third chapter of Genesis. She is now in a position to bring about God's greatest divine promise to mankind. I know I was told years ago about greatness. And then the Lord sent me to Excelsior Springs. I felt like the people around Jesus, can anything good come from Excelsior Springs? Come on. But when God speaks it, there's an anticipation in your heart. And you must follow it. And then comes, after the divine interruption, after the acceptance and the anticipation of what it is God's going to do, comes the faith walk. You hear it, you believe it, but now you've got to live it and walk it and eat it and breathe it and sleep on it. God will interrupt your dreams to tell you things. You go to bed just all happy and wake up disturbed with a dream from God. Ask Pharaoh how that works. Look at this. I want to talk about the completion of the advent. I will make this as quick as I can. Time was pregnant. She's pregnant with a call. 
pregnant with a purpose and pregnant with a vision. It's been talked about since Genesis, the third chapter. For 4,000 years, it's been talked about. 400 years of gestation. Think about that. A 400-year pregnancy, ladies. Nine months is enough, right? 400 years of gestation, waiting, waiting for the promise. Time was pregnant. Time was waiting. Time was ready for the purpose, the vision, the call. Culture was screaming for a deliverer. The cosmos was aligning for this moment. In the heavens, the earth is waiting and trembling and looking for this moment and the starry constellants that hang above the earth, the signs that were given clear back in Genesis to watch are aligning, telling us the moment is at hand. The deliverer has come. The planets are aligning to let us know it is here. The moment has come. The pregnancy of time is about to deliver the promise of God. God and in great anticipation messengers are coming from the heavenlies uh, and they're appearing and interrupting people's lives and interrupting people's worlds you see Christ hadn't yet come so Christ didn't come uh, like he does today oh but back then a messenger would come and angels still appear in our day and age to those who are ripe and ready and pregnant with the call and waiting to hear the voice of God And the angel came to an unsuspecting little girl who was espoused, about to be promised off and married to a man. She was about to enter into the marriage covenant, hadn't quite made it yet, and God comes to her and interrupts her world, and Gabriel stands before her pronouncing what it is that God desires for her. And she says, let it be done. That's the easiest moment of it all. Ooh, that sounds good, God. What? Preach for you? Sure. Yeah, I'll do it. He didn't tell me about sleeping under bridges. He didn't tell me about people who, who, who mock your name. He didn't tell me about people who despise you just for living for him. He didn't tell me all the cost that goes with it. As we discussed last week, the cost sometimes is greater than you anticipate. The divine call is exciting, and it should be exciting all the days of our life. But I just want to be honest with you. There are reality moments when it isn't always fun. Those in third world countries and those in in other nations that are paying the price for their faith today will tell you it's not always fun. Time was ready. Culture was screaming for a deliverer. The cosmos is now aligning. Both heavenly messengers and earthly messengers are coming. First came the angelic pronouncement. And then came the wise men 
who watched the starry constellants and said, there's the sign. There's a king like no other king about to be born. And they traveled great distance to get to the child, bearing gifts that would proclaim him as king, but a king who would suffer. Mm. Shepherds came because angels appeared. And they came to see what was happening. The moment was at hand. The prophecies have begun. The gestation has been 400 years. Time is pregnant. Heaven is pregnant. The earth is pregnant. Mary is pregnant. It's time. The time has come. God is still confirming his word with signs and wonders. He wants the world to know it has come. What I promised is coming to pass. My word will not pass away before it comes to pass. Heaven and earth can pass away, but his word will remain forever. And if God gives his word, then you don't have a right to doubt the word of God because he cannot lie. He is the essence of truth. And if God speaks to you, if God tells you something, if God delivers a word to you, then you can bank on it. It's more concrete than the building that this building is setting on. If God said it, then it's going to come to pass. And I don't have a right to doubt it. If God says there's going to be a revival in Cameron, Missouri, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be a revival in Cameron, Missouri. Mary said yes, and she has taken the great risks. She has carried full term, and Joseph has kept his word. And here they are. Everything's pregnant. The moment is at hand. The gestation is over. It is time now for the delivery. And yet, here it comes. I haven't even read the word yet. Let's look at it. I got so excited I didn't even get there. Second chapter of Luke. In those days it occurred that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to the whole Roman Empire that it should be registered. This was the first enrollment and it was made when that guy was governor of Syria. Verse 3. And all the people were going to be registered, each to his own city and town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the town of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his espoused married wife, who was about to become a mother. And while they were there, the time came for her delivery, and she gave birth to her son, her firstborn. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room or place for them in the inn. In the vicinity, there were shepherds living out under the open sky in the field, watching in shifts over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood by them, and the glory of the Lord flashed and shone all about them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said unto them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will come to all people. For unto you was born this day in the town of David a Savior, who is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you by which you will recognize him. 
And you will find after searching a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The fulfillment of 1 Samuel, 2 Kings, and Isaiah. Then suddenly there appeared with the angel an army of the troops of heaven. A heavenly knighthood praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among men to whom he is well pleased, men of goodwill, of his favor. And when the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing, saying that that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste, and by searching found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Let's go to verse 25. And now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, and cautiously and carefully observing the divine law and looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been divinely revealed and communicated to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. And prompted by the Holy Spirit, he came into the temple enclosure. And when the parents brought in this little child, Jesus, to do for him what was customary according to the law, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised and thanked God and said, And now, Lord, you are releasing your servant to depart and leave this world in peace according to your word. For with my own eyes I have seen your salvation, which you have ordained and prepared before in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, to disclose what was Uh, before unknown and to bring praise and honor and glory to your people Israel and his legal father and his mother were marveling at what was said about him and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother behold this child is appointed and destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is spoken against And a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the secret thoughts and purposes of many hearts may brought out and be disclosed. It goes on and a godly woman by the name of Anna comes and she also prophesies over the child. Here we are at the completion. Here we are at at the excitement of what God has said. Nine months of gestation, and now the reality is here. I've survived all the persecution. I've survived all of those who wanted to take me down and all of those who've spoken against me. I've arrived at the moment, and the child has been born, and we're going to dedicate that child. And then a prophetic man says all kinds of wonders about this child that just bears witness with everything that the angel has said and everything that's been spoken to Joseph and everything that's been spoken to Mary is just being reconfirmed when suddenly that prophecy takes a turn. And it goes from the most positive thing to something that sounds just a little bit negative. Many will fall and rise because of him. There'll be a stirring As exciting as it is that the Gentile world will all look to Israel and say, the light has come. 
Mary, your heart will be run through with a spear. The time has come. He's to be born. This is the promise of God. The thing that I've been excited about all this time. The thing God interrupted my life for. And here it is. It's time. No proper place to birth him. God's son. A manger. You know what a manger was? It was a hewn out place in a rock where you could feed livestock. It was a hewn out small little indention in the side of a mountain. They didn't build typical barns back then. Like a hollowed out cave, not very big. A smelly, nasty, wet for the king of kings. God's child in a stable, God's son in a smelly cave. What kind of prophecy is this? Yet regardless of the circumstances, he comes. <laughs> no palace, no earthly fanfare, a few shepherds and a few wise men. <laughs> this is God's son. Is this what God promised? To live a life of mediocrity? He's a king. Come on. <laughs> this child, the deliverer, the king of heaven and earth, doesn't seem right that he would be birthed in a cave, does it? Isn't it funny that everything God prophesied and promised is true, and nothing in God's word ever falls to the ground. And those little confirmations come along like angelic visits to help us stay on the path. The gifts that come to announce that he's a king. The noblemen come and worship him, but it's a really small crowd. And everything just seems quite honestly like a dud. <laughs> this is the call of God this is what I put my reputation on the line for, God. The call of God. Well, here's what you got to understand. God doesn't measure greatness the way you and I measure greatness. We'd live in Trump Tower if we could. Well, maybe some of you wouldn't. We would live in a grand palace if we could. We would live on a large spread with a really nice, super fancy log cabin if we could. But God doesn't measure greatness the way you and I do. And understand this, the call of God is God's idea, it's God's plan, and it's God's purpose. And so often God's, God does his bidding in humility and in common order right in plain sight. God uses you. It's his choosing it's his will. And we often become disgruntled when it seems less than spectacular. If it's less than what our mind has envisioned, then we, we have trouble receiving it as God. When God says greatness, 
and then sends you to Excelsior Springs, you go, what? <laughs> so let's summarize the call of God. It comes in increments. It comes in pieces. It comes in tidbits. You never get the full story. You just get pieces. It comes in sudden fulfillments. Boom. Wow. It comes in long, arduous delay. It comes in setback. Yet as long as the called will stay faithful, the chosen will birth the miraculous of God's will and intention. Mary and Joseph remained faithful. Mary bore God's will by bearing God's son. Joseph gave covering and legitimacy to God's will in Mary. They did it. They got him here. He's been birthed. We did it. Revival has come. It's here. But he's just a babe. He's just in his infancy. Now comes the walking out. Now comes the maturing. Now comes the taking care of. Now is all of the cleaning up the messes of a little boy. That the little boy can grow into the man and the stature that God would have him to be. Can you imagine the pressure of raising God's child? I raised Austin. That was one of the most stubborn children you ever saw in your life. And everybody who knows him goes, what? He was born defiant. I won't, go, I won't belabor all that. I don't want to pick on him too bad. But he was born shaking his fist at the world. Really? I'll show you. <laughs> his brother, who's 10 years older than him, would come to us saying, would you tell that kid to shut up? You're not my parent. And his favorite phrase as a child was, Manuel, you're just dumb. He's this tall. His brother's towering over him. He goes, you're the stupidest thing I've ever seen. He's like, I don't remember any of this. Am I telling the truth? <laughs> so, <laughs> here he is. He's here. They did it. But the moment the child was born, the battle began. Remember Herod in the story? We didn't get a chance to read it in the narrative. But Herod immediately didn't want a challenge to his kingdom. And when the wise men came through, the noblemen came through and shared with him that a king like no other king was about to be born, Herod devised a plan. You'll read it over in chapter 12 of Revelation, how they were waiting at the birth of Christ to kill him. Satan himself was behind it. 
And every dream that you have and every call that God has given you that will come to gestation, you better understand that the enemy will be standing on the other side of that promise trying to kill the promise before it gets out of its infancy because if he can kill it in its infancy, then you are no threat to him. But if it matures, he's in trouble. Mm. Is this all right? I'm, I'm almost through. I've only got 14 pages. It's the same with us in our calling. The moment you conceive and deliver God's promise comes the enemy and his attempt to kill the promise. The greatest attempt comes in the calling's infancy. I know I've already said that, but I want to reiterate it. If he can kill it early, his headaches from us are minimized. He'll come and go in seasons to challenge the call. If he can't kill it in its infancy, then he'll keep coming incrementally throughout the seasons to drag you into a wilderness, to get you to a place where he can try to talk you out of what's really happened in your heart, to try to get you to forget the words of God. Because if he can get you focused on you and the world and the problems around you, you'll forget about the promise that is cooking in your heart. You'll forget about the promise that God has given you. He'll talk you out of revival. Revival will happen because God said it'll happen. The only thing that could thwart it is if we decided to drop it, walk away. God would have to start with a whole new crew of people in order to get his word to pass in this place. But God understands that the enemy comes at you in seasonal increments to try to talk you out of the promise. But I don't know about you, but I'm a promise keeper. I've been a promise keeper all my life. I hold on to the promises of God. I write them down, I rehearse them, and I remind myself what it is that God has said because I, for one, am bound and determined the devil will never steal my call. Ah. Wow. Yeah, he'll come in your wilderness experiences through trials and persecutions and threats and social uprisings. And like Simeon's words to Mary... There will be times in your call with God that like Mary, you'll be pierced in your heart as you mature in ministry. When you pay I should say when you pour yourself, your time, your resources into people who trample on your words, mock your heart and scorn your motives. The enemy's there to capitalize and to speak into your mind and into your heart. When you start a ministry and it starts, and in the beginning it's in its infancy and everything's exciting when it's an infant. But then as things begin to grow and mature and things go forward and then things go backwards. It's in those backwards receding moments, the moments of recession, when things are pulling back that the devil comes the hardest to try to get you to think that because of the wave isn't surging forward right now, that you're out of the will of God and that you've thwarted what it is that God wants to do in your life and that it, this will never come to pass. And it's in those moments you've got to fight to hold on to what you have. When the devil comes, you got to put your fingers in your ears like a little child of about two years old and go, nana, 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 I can't hear you. i got to hurry. Like Simeon's words, you'll be pierced. When your years of investment spill to the ground like a drink offering and disappear into the dust. 
I've watched when God has given me a mandate and I've birthed it. And other people have come to help me bring it to pass. And I've stood in that moment of completion when I finally arrived for God to say, now it's time to move from this to something else and to stand and watch all the years and the labor and the hard work dissipate into the dust as if it never happened. And just about the time you get that thought in your mind, the devil starts trying to capitalize on it and try to talk you into discouragement. It's on those moments that I turn around and go, oh, yes, God moved me from point A to point B. But I also remember 2,500 recovering alcoholics and drug addicts who came to an altar of salvation for the first time and asked Jesus Christ into their life, and their lives were transformed before me in the midst of my preaching, in the midst of standing in the middle of God's will. I saw lives changed and hearts were changed forevermore. I saw marriages mended. I saw people on heart transplant lists absolutely be removed from the heart transplant list because their heart had been healed by God. Had people come in with broken ribs, walk out with them healed. Had people walk in with other maladies and sicknesses and diseases. Even here in Cameron, we've had people come in here with leukemia and God healed them. The enemy's a master at pointing out the negative. And so often when things go the other direction, your heart breaks and your mind battles and your soul is disturbed. Then the enemy whispers to you, was it worth it? Was it worth it? Now I want you to go with me to the dream theater for just a moment. Mary, the same sweet little Mary who birthed Jesus, now has other children. Now understands all of the things that go with the married life. But secretly, the word says she kept everything God said in her heart. She didn't trumpet it. She didn't run around telling everybody, I birthed God's son. She kept it in humility. She didn't make it a spectacle. And even though the circumstances around his birth and his life, it's just been common. Haven't seen much extraordinary stuff. Yet in her heart, she knew who he was. That's why at the wedding at Canaan, she just put the pressure on. How many knows it's the neck that turns the head, right? And she just said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Obedience. Be obedient to him. Watch what happens. He says, not even my time. She goes, just do what he tells you to do. This same Mary who, who stood and was with him and watched him. In a matter of three years, watched this son who laid in obscurity to the age of 30. Suddenly become the most prominent man in Israel. 
Oh, he wasn't in the king's palace and he didn't wear king's robes, but everybody wanted a piece of him. Everybody wanted to touch him. Everybody wanted him to feed them. Everybody wanted him to heal them. Everyone wanted to be near him. His, he called 12 to come walk with him intimately. But then he added 70, and then he added 500, and then it just kept growing. And on the hillsides and the regions and in the temple, when he'd come, everyone wanted to hear. Even the religious crowd was leaning in, oh, oftentimes to find fault, but they were leaning in. They knew there was something different. And finally, all of the boyhood drama, all of the cleaning up of messes, all of the obscurity, suddenly, now, he has come. The world is seeing. My words are true. No other man does these things. The high priest cannot do what that boy can do. <laughs> and at the zenith, at the height of his popularity, at the height of what looks like successful ministry, a plan is devised against him by an insider. To betray him into the world's hands. And it was the church that drove the nails into him. Now standing on Calvary's rugged hill. The Mary of promise. Is having her hopes dashed. This is her child. This is her baby. This is her promise. This is her deliverer. Looking up at him suffering. Looking up at him beaten and torn and bruised. Standing at the foot of his cross. Watching his precious blood of her child drip to the ground. Can you imagine what the devil was saying in her ear? Some great promise, huh? Some great promise. This was the fulfillment of what Simeon had said to her. Many will be disturbed by this child. And your heart's going to get run through with a spear. Was this the greatness you told me of God? Tortured, mocked, despised, spat upon, rejected. This is greatness. Her heart was in that moment being ran through with a spear. And to her utter horror, she heard him. Father, why have you forsaken me? She heard him commend his spirit back to God. I can't take any more. She watched him push up on those tendons in that, those feet 
in his suffocation to try to grasp one more breath and to exhale the final breath of life hanging between heaven and earth. And this was the promise of God. And then they pulled his body down, and because it was a special Sabbath, they had to rush his body into a tomb. And after a quick ceremonial washing, they wrapped him in a linen cloth and carried him to a borrowed tomb. But I hear the faint echo of the words of Jesus. Unless a seed dies and falls into the ground, there is no harvest. Yes, dreams die. Yes, heartaches come. Yes, persecution will push you to your limits. Yes, Satan tempts and he tries. He lies. He mocks. Yes, friends and family will abandon. But I'm also reminded of the scripture that sorrow may last for the night. But joy comes in the morning. And although for Mary it looked like God's promise was all for nothing. Just a drink offering poured out that just faded into the ground. Although it looked like a great failure. Although it seemed as if nothing had come from all of her sacrifice. And just when the loneliness of the grave sat in. Came the cry. Oh Mary, somebody's moved his body. One more defilement for my promise. One more defilement against my child. Against God's child. One more defilement, really. You'd steal his body. We don't know where they've taken him. She was there. When walking through the wall. Was her son as she had never seen him before. It looked dead. It looked hopeless. It looked as though all was lost. But there he was, this time in the glory of who he really is. Not just her son that she changed diapers on. No, God's son in the fullness of his glory, whose metabolic body had changed to where he could walk through walls. 
and appear before her and she could yet tangibly touch him. Now, you may think, you know, the Bible doesn't give us a lot of narrative here. But how many of you mamas would be hanging on that child? Would be kissing that baby's hands, holding on, wanting to hold him, wanting to touch him, wanting to wrap your arms around that promise. And Mary now understands the suffering, the trial, the caves, the isolation, and all the whispers all add up to one thing. God saves. God keeps his word. God delivers her son, God's child, now justified, now everything eternal. Now Mary has been delivered. The son she delivered delivered her. What she could have never done, he accomplished. She fulfilled her role. In God's plan, she got him here. And now forever, her name is remembered through history. This common girl, her name is touted as a champion of faith. Because she delivered the deliverer and the completion of her call stood before her in that moment. So when Satan's pushing you, remember this is a moment it will pass. Soon I'll be standing in the midst of eternity. Soon I'll be standing. Do you know that eternity walked through the wall into Mary's life for the first time? Think about that. Her eternity walked into the room. If we go by the way of the grave, just understand your eternity will walk in the room for you. And you know what? Your eternity is the same as Mary's. It's in the same package. It's Christ Jesus. I have to quit. I could preach for another hour. But I have to quit. But I want you encouraged, Passion Church. Whatever we go through, whatever we face, wherever we are individually and collectively. It's worth it all. When we have moments that just melt into the ground like a drink offering and all your hopes seem dashed, understand this. 
your eternity is waiting to walk through the wall. The devil cannot win. I want you to be encouraged when you leave this place today. If God's called you, he'll keep you. If God's called you, he'll give you what you need in the moment. You will be tried. You will be pushed. You will be challenged. There will be a cost. But the chosen stay in the hard times. The chosen remain, even though it, I didn't say we don't question. I didn't say we don't have doubts. I didn't say we don't have problems. But we choose. We're the chosen, the choosers. We choose to stay with God. We choose to carry out his plan, his purpose, his way. And your life is being recorded by God. Did you know your name's written in the heavenly books? Because he's already counted you into his eternal plan. Would you stand? We're so glad you listened to this message today. Our goal is to bring hope, encouragement, and help you win, all while building God's kingdom. At Passion Church, we believe in community. If you would like to partner with us in prayer or giving, then send us a message on Facebook or through our website, passionchurchmo.com. We'd love to hear how God is impacting your life through this ministry.